you are able, remain standing and turn with me this evening to John chapter 17. John 17, we'll begin at verse 6 and read tonight through verse 19. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Two Lord's Day evenings ago, we began looking here in John 17 at the high priestly prayer of Jesus. We looked at, two weeks ago at the first five verses and we saw three things. The intimacy of Christ's prayer. He was praying to His Father. We saw as well the focus of Christ's prayer. It wasn't on Himself. It was on the glory of His Father. And then finally, the manner by which God the Father would glorify the Son. And tonight, as we come to the second part of Jesus' high priestly Prayer, we see Jesus praying for his disciples. Now, it's always nice to know that people are praying for you. Part of true Christian fellowship includes us praying with and for one another. Many of us have been asked to pray for one another, or we have asked others to pray for us as we go through some difficulty. And that is a great blessing. Knowing that our brothers and sisters in Christ 
are praying for us. But tonight we see Jesus praying. And he is praying for his disciples. He's praying for his earthly disciples. Again, he is about to leave them. He is about to go and die on the cross for the sins of his people. He will be raised up three days later. We'll enjoy fellowship with them for 40 days until his ascension in heaven. But he is about to leave in death. But as Jesus was praying for his earthly disciples, he was also praying for us. When he prayed for those men who were with him that night, he also prays for us here this evening. And so as Jesus is about to take upon himself that heavy burden of the cross, again, he is not thinking of himself. He's not praying for himself. He is praying for his disciples. And so there are two things I want us to see tonight in our text. And the first is a special relationship. It is that special relationship that we see between Jesus and his disciples here upon the earth. In verses 6 through 8, again, we read, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Here Jesus tells us who those disciples were, those men who followed him. They were those whom were given to the Son by the Father. Now this applies to all disciples of the Lord. If we are a disciple of Christ tonight, it's not because of us, it's because of God. It's because He chose us from before the foundation of the world and gave us to the Son so that we might have redemption in Christ. But these men also were those that were given to Christ by the Father, and those men who had kept His Word. Now these men were all Jews, and yet there were many Jews who rejected Christ. There are still Jews to this day who reject Jesus. But these disciples, they had kept the Word of Christ. They had been given a revelation of who God is through the Lord Jesus. And Jesus came and He gave them the very words that the Father gave to him, and these men received those words. And as they received those words, they have come to know the truth about Christ. What was that truth that they came to know? That Jesus came from God. That he was sent by God, and they believed that. They believed that he was the Messiah. They believed. And Christ as their Savior. Now again, the same thing holds true tonight for each one of us. If we're a a true disciple of the Lord. Again, we've been given by the Father to the Son. We are those that keep the Word of God. We are those, just as His disciples were upon the earth, that, that recognize that everything the Father has given to Christ is from Him. And and we have the words of God. We have the very word of God before us tonight. 
But then we see something of this very special relationship that Jesus had with these men in verses 9 through 10. He continues on, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Jesus here is not praying for the world. He's praying for those 11 that he is about to leave behind. Those that the Father had given to him. As Spurgeon states, I remark that our, our Lord Jesus pleads for his own people. When he puts on his priestly breastplate, it is for those tribes whose names are there when he presents the atoning sacrifice. It is for the Israel whom God hath chosen. Again, we, are see, we, we see tonight Jesus acting as the high priest. This people. He was making intercession for those whom the Father had given to him, declaring to us tonight that he holds his sheep very close to his heart. As he prays for these men, he, he prays for them, and we see again that close relationship between God, the Father, and the Son. All mine are yours, and yours are. Are mine, and Jesus is glorified in them. Now, Jesus here in our text, he gives us four reasons why he prays for his disciples. One, we've already heard those whom Jesus prays for here belong to the Father. They belong to God. They were chosen by God from before the foundation of the world. And so Jesus values these men as the Father values these men. Again, the same is said for us tonight. We belong to the Father. As we belong to the Father, Jesus values us as the, the Father values us. Again, Jesus is praying for us now. He is sitting in heaven praying for our sanctification for our growth in grace. The second reason why Jesus prays for his disciples is that he, those whom he prays for are of a joint interest of the Father and the Son. And we could also say a joint interest with the Spirit as well. Again, all three persons of the Godhead, they are intimately involved with the salvation of God's people. But these are the ones whom the Father had given to the Son and the ones whom Jesus would die for. Not just these 11, but for all whom the Father had given to Him. Now, Lord willing, next Sunday evening, we will see Jesus expanding in the, in the last part of this prayer as He prays for all of His elect, all who will come to Him in faith. The third reason Jesus prays for them is this, that Jesus is glorified in them. He is glorified by these men. He says as much there in verse 10, I am glorified in them. And Jesus is glorified in us here this evening. He's glorified in the fact that he has saved us. Again, we were not worth saving. We, we deserve hell. But he saved us. 
He is glorified in us as we trust him in this life. As we'll see in a moment as he prays for the, these men and their sanctification. He's glorified in us when we live holy lives. He is glorified in us by our confession of faith. Our confession of him before the world. And he is glorified in us as he was in these men by our efforts to extend his kingdom. He goes on in verses 11 and 12. He says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus, again, is about to leave these men. He came and He revealed the Father to these men. They believed, they responded in faith, all but one, the Son of destruction, the Son of perdition. And so as He's about to leave them, He prays that the Father would keep them. Jesus has kept them. While he was upon the earth, not one again has been lost except Judas. That was to fulfill the word of God, the son of perdition, according to the Hebrew idiom, denotes a man who was ruined or devoted to destruction. That was Judas Iscariot. He was never a true disciple of Jesus. But our Lord knew what these men were about to go through. He knew what they were about to to experience as he would leave this world in death. And so he prays that they may be one. How? How is that oneness? The same oneness that the Father has with the Son. And so we see, first of all, tonight, the special relationship between Christ and his earthly disciples. But then second of all, I want us to see the special concerns of Jesus. For his disciples. The first concern is their joy in verse 13. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Again, as Jesus is in that final night of his earthly life, they are not going to be experiencing joy for a few days. They're about to go through a very difficult time in which their, their joy would be taken from them. They would not be joyful. They would be saddened because of the death of Christ. And so Jesus prays that his joy might be fulfilled in them. Now, when we go through a difficult time, many times our joy leaves us. It's gone. And we have a hard time recovering that joy. How can we get that joy back when we're going through difficulty? Well, in three ways. First of all, by sound doctrine. That is always the first thing. Sound doctrine. Understanding the Word of God. Being in the Word of God. Trusting what God has said to us. Even in difficult places and doctrines that we may not like in the earthly man, we are to trust because God knows best. 
The second thing is, is fellowship. What many Christians do when they go through difficult times, they remove themselves from the fellowship of God's people. They, they become loners. They, they want to stay at home all the time instead of coming and fellowshipping with the people of God. Just as we need sound doctrine, we need fellowship with one another. We, we need the communion of the saints. We need the fellowship of the saints. Even when things are difficult. And all the more when we're going through difficult times. But then the third way to get our joy back is by righteousness. Not ours, but Christ. But living in righteousness. And that's the second concern that our Lord has for these men. Verse 14, he continues, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prays that these men would be sanctified, that they would be righteous. And we know we're all sinners. How are we righteous before a holy God? Only in and through Christ. Only if we have that special relationship with Jesus that his earthly disciples had with him. And that comes about by faith. We are to have faith in Jesus. If we have true saving faith in the Lord, then we are righteous in the sight of God. Even with our sin, we are still righteous in the sight of God. Why? How can that be? Because Christ has paid the, the price and the penalty for our sin. And so Jesus prays that these men will be holy. No, notice, he, he understands what they are going to go through. The world hated our Lord and they hate all the disciples of Jesus. The world hates the gospel. They hate God in, in general, that is, as has always been since the fall of man, there's nothing new under the sun. And so Jesus here, he's not asking God to take them out of the world, but that he would protect them. That he would keep them from the evil one, from Satan, from the devil. And then he says in verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. A little bit later, Pilate will ask this question. What is truth? As Jesus appears before Pilate, he will ask, what is truth? Well, Jesus tells us here what truth is. The word of God is truth. The word of God can be trusted and believed in because it is the truth of God. And that is how we are sanctified in this life. We are sanctified through the word of God. Now, in one aspect, sanctification is what is our being chosen, being set apart. Paul speaks of that concerning our, our children being set apart because of the faith of even one believing parent. But as we have been set apart by God to know Christ, we also become more like Him through the truth of God's Word. As we are here tonight and we are worshiping God, guess what? We are becoming more like Jesus. 
And we need this because tomorrow what happens? We go back into the world that hates Jesus, that really hates us. And it's hard to live in such a world. And that's why we need the truth. We need the truth of God. Now, all truth comes from God. It doesn't matter if it's found in, in the Bible, if it's the truth of some discipline we study. It all comes from God. There is no truth apart from God. That's where many people fail. If we're honest tonight, that's where the public education system has failed. It has failed because they say there is no truth. Or they say that there's truth apart from God. And many would say there is no truth. But God, Christ here tonight reminds us there is truth. All truth comes from God. The word of God is truth. And so he prays that these men would be sanctified. That they would be made more like him. Now, if we neglect the word of God, we should not expect to be a sanctified people. Again, we're sitting under preaching tonight. That's a very good thing. Very good place to be. As we seek to become more like Christ. But then in verses 18 and 19, he continues, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. We hear of the mission of these men. They are to go into the world. Jesus is sending them into the world. Now we know from Matthew 28, why are they going? They're going to, to teach, to make disciples, to baptize in the name of the triune God, to, to teach uh, the, the world all things that they have learned from Jesus. That is their mission. And as Jesus is about to send them into the world, He prays for them. He prays for their preservation. Now we know many of these men will, will die for the sake of that mission. John himself will be exiled to Patmos. He will live to be 90, 91, but he will be exiled to Patmos. Uh, well, tradition says as well that that they tried to boil him alive in hot oil because of his faithfulness to Christ. And so Jesus prays for these men for he knows what is coming and he's praying that they may be kept by God, preserved by God, and sanctified in truth. And so what application can we make here this evening? Well, first, as we see tonight, Jesus praying for his earthly disciples, he's also praying for us. He's praying for every one of us here tonight that are disciples of the Lord. Now we often hear that, but what does it mean? What does it mean when we say that Jesus prays for us? Well, first it means that Jesus interceded for those or intercedes for those that he died for on the cross. Again, we go back, and, and who are those that Jesus died for on the cross? Those whom the Father has given to him. And not one of them has been lost. You see, Judas Iscariot, he was an earthly disciple of the Lord, but he was not a part of the elect of God. And therefore, Jesus did not die for him, for if he had, Judas would have been saved. Jesus did not die for every man, woman, or, or child who was born and lives in this world. He died for those whom the Father 
had given. And he intercedes for them. He prays for them. Now second, it means that Jesus makes continual intercession for his people. You know, somebody might tell us, we pray for me, and we might pray very quickly for that person. And then we may forget and not do so again until we see them again. But, but Jesus is constantly making intercession for us. He doesn't sleep. He's always praying for you. Third, as we see tonight, Jesus is concerned for his people. He is concerned with the concerns that you have. And he's praying for us. He's praying for those concerns. Fourth, Jesus has prepared us to live in this world with the joy, holiness, and truth, and perseverance. And so in all of this, Jesus is praying. He's also praying that we will be out of the world and in the world, but not of the world. To and for the world. Now that sounds very confusing. What, what does that mean? Well, to be out of the world means that we are no longer citizens just of this world. But we have a much more important citizenship in heaven. Paul speaks of that later. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's where our home is. That's where we are longing to be. To be in the world means that we continue to live in this world. To the glory of God. That's what Jesus is praying for. For his disciples. That they would continue to live in this world. To the glory of Christ and the Father. But to not be of the world. Means that we as the people of God. Do not live as the world lives. We're different. We live a little bit differently. We, we speak a little bit differently. People may look at us and say. We're, we're kind of weird. Again, we're not living for ourselves. We're living for God. We're living for Christ. And so to be to and for the world means just as these earthly disciples had a mission, so too we have a mission. What is that mission? To go to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Christ. Now one way we do that is by supporting missionaries, but nowhere does it, not, but it doesn't say anywhere that none of us could, could, could not be a missionary and go ourselves. What are we willing to give up for Christ? Are we willing to give up a nice home and luxury and a car to go and to take the gospel to those who are in need of hearing it? And so finally, are you a disciple of Jesus here this evening? What does that mean? Do you have a, a special relation with him tonight. That relation is a, is a relationship of faith and repentance. Now many think that, that that begins the Christian life and then it ends. No, we are always believing in Christ and we are always repenting of our sin. But it does begin the Christian walk. Our life of discipleship begins with faith in Jesus. In him alone for our salvation. And also from our turning from our sin to Christ, but it doesn't end there. Every day we, we have faith in Jesus and we are repenting of our sin. Can you say this evening that you are a disciple of Jesus? If so, then praise God for He gave you to the Son. 
He is the one who gave you to Christ. He is the one that chose you. And therefore, you give all glory and honor to Him. But if not, then plead with God. You know, many believe that we, we understand the sovereignty of God. We understand the election of God. But, but that man cannot plead with God for salvation. And there's nothing further from the truth. We, we can plead with God if we are without Christ. And you should do so this evening. If you're not a disciple of Christ, plead with God. And, and go to Him and ask Him to make you a disciple of Jesus. As we saw this morning, God is merciful. He's gracious even to evil kings of Israel and Judah. And He will be gracious to us as well. And so if you're without Christ tonight, go to God and plead for that salvation that comes only through Jesus. Go and know that if you come to Christ in faith, turning from your sin and you receive and you're entered into that special relationship with Jesus, that you will then be sanctified. Just as Jesus prayed. And you will be made fit for heaven. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your word. And we pray as Jesus prayed. Lord, sanctify us in and through your truth. Lord, we pray tonight that you would work in us and work by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for any who may be here tonight and they are not in Christ. Lord, bring them to Christ even now. Save them and redeem them. And Lord, we ask that you would make us more like our Savior. Sanctify us in, in and by your truth. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.